Gather round, all ye citizens of these United States of America. Once again, the tax man is about to come calling on you to render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, even if it's at the point of a gun. That's right. April 15th is looming and it's time to pay your taxes or file your extensions. Today, we're pleased to welcome CPA Clinton Donnelly back to the show for his third appearance to provide us with the latest from the crypto tax law landscape. We discuss the crypto executive order, an important Tezos staking case, NFTs, DeFi, and more. It's all useful stuff. So consider this your 1099 for episode number 595 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Hello, I love you, won't you tell me your name? Hello. Uh, it's me, Jimmy. Jimmy. Jimmy the tax man? Yeah, it nods. It's, uh, it's the mafia guy. You know, you need to pay me this over here. I'm going to break your leg. Huh? Oh, I'm going to steal you. I'm going to swipe your NFTs. I'm going to. You got I'm a gonna... problem over here? You got a problem over here, Joe Tom. I hear yeah. you're not paying your taxes to... Uh, to Lucioni up in here. <laughs> Sleeps with the fishes. You gotta be sleep. Yeah, we're gonna make you some concrete shoes there, Jimmy. It is the tax episode of the Bad Crypto Podcast, and we bring our CPA back to the show today. He is the guest that we hate to love, but we do because Clinton's a good guy and he knows the uh, tax situation. And for those of you not in the United States, I'm sure you will benefit from this episode as well. It's just, I think about 57, 58% of our audience is US based. And so this uh, tax show is super important for those listeners. But the rest of y'all should listen too, because there's some really good jokes in here. Yeah, there's, some there's some really good jokes and there's some really great content in here. We are going to talk about a lot of things in here, not only taxes, but also talk about the world reserve currency, some of the craziness that's going on. We're going to talk about NFTs. We're going to talk about um, auditing and some other things that you need to know. And uh, maybe you might want to move to Puerto Rico once I'll said that. You might indeed. And so uh, we'll have some more banter for you on the other side, but this interview being as important as it is, we're going to shut up so that we can talk to you again. Here's Clinton Donnelly. Oh, yes. I think last time we did a show about taxes, I sang it's the most wonderful time of the year. And I think the time before that we did it, I sang the song Tax Man. What do, what do we got today, Trev, that we can bring on this topic that nobody likes to talk about, but everybody needs to talk about? Maybe the theme song for Taxi? There you go. The, the theme song for our taxes is uh, is what I say. Taxes are sexy, so it's you know it's that 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 rap song where like she th- you know what I'm too what, sexy taxes, for my taxes. Yeah, exactly, I'm too sexy for your taxes. Too sexy for my payment. Speaking <clears throat> of sexy, that voice that you hear right there is a third time um, repeat offender to the Bad Crypto Podcast. Oh, this is very bad. Like he, the, that's like he's like really bad. Yeah, the one and only Clinton Donnelly of DonnellyTaxLaw.com. He is our CPA, and we have found no one 
who is more informed about the state of crypto tax law than Clinton. Good, sir. Welcome back to the show. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure, Joel. So pleasure to be here. There are some really interesting things happening um, in the 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 world right now, of course, most notably, the most recent piece of news that we got from the government was that uh, Uncle Joe put out an EO on cryptos and it, it it said something and it said nothing. What What's your take on, you know, the summary of the executive order and what you think it means? Well, I think he's basically herding the cats at this point. This executive order, I, I, I've read through it in, in, in detail, and in a nutshell, he's basically acknowledging that you know cryptos are important to the financial future of the United States. One of the biggest industries in the United States is the financial industry. It is a stated goal of the United States to dominate the financial uh, markets of the world, and, and they basically said, we're bringing crypto in. They're also, they're saying they're going to have a they want to plan for a central bank digital currency for the U.S. currency. Uh, everything is basically 180 days, six months, six months. Uh, we have a plan. And, and in the seventh month, we need to have what legislation needs to be approved. Now, you got to step back. These are all politicians. What happens What in seven months, uh, six months, seven months, we're talking September, October this year. It's, it's an election year. This is going to be an election issue. He's going to put forward all this stuff. And then, of course, you know, the, the, the general feel on the streets is that the Republicans are going to take over Congress. So all of a sudden, the Republican Congress is going to have to handle this stuff. So it's going to be thrown back. You know, it'll be reassessed and everything. It's, it's, it's a political football is what it's turned into. So uh, so basically, uh, uh, Uncle Joe had an EO, 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 no. And on his EO about crypto, EO, EO, no. Here we go with the, with the uh, what, who, huh, there, what, where am I? Um, so it is going to be interesting for them to, to create, you know, to try to regulate this thing. They want to have a CBDC. This is, uh, this, there's going to be CBDCs all over the world coming up here. And I want to ask you about this because I wrote about it. I just created a Substack, letter T, letter W dot Substack, my initials. And I wrote about this. I'm starting to put some of my Travis rants out there. And last night I was really thinking about it. It was like, okay. So the government and the world has essentially kicked Russia off of SWIFT, right? And, and now they are, and Visa and MasterCard kicked Russia out. And now Russia is joining with China, right, with Union Pay. And then India and Brazil is working with Union Pay in China. And Iran is. And so it almost, and now all these countries are going to stop using the U.S. dollar as the world reserve currency, because previously you want to buy gold or you want to buy oil, you have to buy dollars first, and then you, you trade with your partner, and then they take those dollars. It, it's, everything was traded with dollars. That's going to stop. So what kind of implications do we see? It's like It seems like we're going to see a CBDC, digital currency, way before we probably thought we were going to, do you think? Well, I think you're right, Travis. I mean, you know what we're seeing right now with this whole you know you know ultimate brinksmanship with russia is a you know the the backlash is a destruction of the federal res the, the reserve status of the u.s dollar that that's the mm -hmm. currency of default i think the move rapidly towards a cbdc is 
an attempt to shore up the strength of the U.S. dollar. Of course, you know when we think of Bitcoin, we think of other currencies. We think there's there's a finite amount. We, there's not really you know there's a managed inflation. But the U.S. government, through their monetary policies and fiscal policies, have been just inflating the dollar without respect for the future. So I think this is an I think the swing to a CBDC. Uh, will be an attempt to stave that off if they can show that they're no longer engaged in the type of monetary foolishness the U.S. government is known for. That's that's not going to happen, though. There's not going to be a move away from monetary foolishness, right? I mean, if I was a gambling man, uh, the direction we're heading is a collapse. Inflation is out of control. It's ridiculous. Um, you see it in the gas prices. And, and my understanding is because of the sanctions on Russia and because we're going to stop getting some things that we need from the other side of the world, that the prices of everything are getting ready to go up here. Is that your understanding as well? Uh, that's what I see. I mean, we're looking at 30 percent increases in, in basic consumables that people have. Oh my gosh. Is it going to be like uh, when they first announced COVID and you couldn't get toilet paper? Is that what's going to happen? That's because I bought it already. You, you really, <laughs> you've got no, your You're going to be able to buy toilet paper just going to be like 3x the price. Because I mean, well, think about it like this. I mean, I think of it like, like this is like, okay, the price of gas and fuel expenses are going up. In some cases now, $8 a gallon in the U.S., when tr truckers have to fill up their gas tank and it's costing them two times in some cases more than that to fill up their tank then how much is it going to cost to deliver these goods so the whole supply chain is going to see a substantial increase because the cost of delivery of everything has just increased well travis i mean this is i mean you know you know back in the 70s when you know once we got off the gold standard inflation got out of control and the hardest thing about inflation is to stop it i increase my prices you increase your prices, next person increases their prices, the trucker increases their prices, you know, because there's an a domi endless domino effect. And stopping that is exceptionally hard. I mean, it's great for politicians to light the fire, you know, but, you know, you can't stop it. It's very difficult. On as the good a, as side, a marketer, I'm just... On the uh, good I'm side... Go ahead, tell us the good side. Rapid inflation like this devalues any debt that you have with the IRS. You were in debt to the IRS ten thousand dollars. You know, a year from now, that ten thousand dollars might be like you know five thousand dollars. You know, in equivalent terms. Oh, so just what, what you're saying, what you're advising people is just wait to pay your taxes. No, you wouldn't be doing that. That's well, this is what the gov. This is what the U.S. government's doing, right? I mean, they're right. deflating the debt that they have. So if the government is going to move towards a Fed coin, I like that as opposed to, you know, a, a CBDC. That's not sexy at all. Central bank digital currency, Fed coin. That's what it is, right? It's a government issued cryptocurrency. What do you think they will, what position will they take on Bitcoin and other cryptos? I mean, certainly they know they can't stop Bitcoin. Well, you know, reading through the executive order, you see some, you know, they reference a lot of things. We don't really know what's going to come out when all these agencies, the U.S. government, start to work together to produce a report in, in six months. We don't know what they're going to come out and say. Uh, I, I, they can't put the genie back in the bottle, all right? I think what they're going to do is try to impose, under the guise of consumer protection, uh, higher levels of of 
identity, uh, you know, with the, tra with the travel rule and stuff like that. So it's harder to hide where your coins came from and where they went. I think this is ultimately the, they're going to mandate certain things that have to be in a blockchain to be a uh, approved blockchain that is handled by registered uh, exchanges and, you know, exchanges like Monero or not exchanges, but, you know, blockchains like Monero, which are obscuring and that sort of thing. They're going to make them, you know, bad boys. Uh, of course, this is the bad crypto podcast, but, you know, I think they're going to start to make good guys and bad guys and they're going to raise the bar which honestly does need to be raised in terms of the quality information written on the blockchains. I, I, that would be my take on it if they were, you know, best hope. But you know, we are talking about the U.S. government, so you got to keep your expectations low. Yeah, it's, it's, it seems really interesting to me. And so, so, you know, when we're playing it out, for one, that is interesting. If you owe some back taxes, then, then the value of that's going to be, you know, uh, you're paying less. So it almost seems like to me, since the value of the dollar, and this is an interesting thing. I was talking with somebody else today, Joel. We've not had this conversation yet. And I'll ask uh, 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 Clinton what he thinks. So I have crypto, right? I have some Bitcoin. I think Bitcoin's going to increase in value substantially as they print more dollars and hyperinflation happens. That's how eventually we get to the million dollar Bitcoin. But my question is, is about the USDC and the USDT, Tether and these stable coins. What happens to the stable coins when they're tied directly to the value of the US dollar and the US dollar starts tanking? Is there a better like stable coin you know, solution out there, because it seems to me like I would rather have um, one C or something where I could actually put it in one to Bitcoin or some of these other currencies to Bitcoin, because I think the dollar is going to tank over time. So I don't know that I would want to keep my money in a USDC or a USDT. Well, I think you're right on, Travis. I mean, you know, uh, it's stable. We call it a stable coin because it's pegged to some other fiat currency, but that fiat currency is dropping like a rock then right. your stable coin is fundamentally dropping like a rock. Mm. So what's the solution? Well, yeah, I think you fix know, it, Clinton. Come on. Fix, uh, so I think, you know, I've, I've talked to some, you know, uh, people that are macroeconomists, you know, Pomp, uh, Vinny Lignan, and some of these guys are basically saying, you know, what we haven't seen yet is the divergence between the stock market, U.S. dollar, and Bitcoin. And I think, you know, people have been unwilling to separate the two. And when that happens, I think that's when uh, Bitcoin significantly diverges from the dollar and pricing could really explode in a way that, in, in an exponential way. Yeah, but, but, but when Lambo. not financial when, advice. When Lambo, when Moon. I mean, that's all people really want to know. It, it's very frustrating uh, because when has the government actually ever moved civilization forward, you know, beyond liberating a people, right? We got to go back to 1776. From then on, it's all about making life more difficult for the citizens that they claim to represent. So I think it's going to be a huge cluster, and I think we're going to see more freedom-minded movements that are like, oh, yeah, um, well, my Bitcoin's off exchanges and it's in a wallet that uh, you don't know where that thing is. I would say that we're looking at a window of time. I mean, like I said, there's there's six months to the report comes out. One lump, month later, they have to come out with legislative recommendations. This will happen in uh, October of this year. And at which point in time we have an election and then Congress is going to come into place. 
in who I mean, now Congress, if it's a new Republican Congress, let's say, you know, they are have very strong opinions about putting perhaps better rules in place, and they'll fix whatever excess. It'll take a long time to unpack the results of these uh, reports and really see what the implications are. But what we have is a window of time where the West is still wild, where uh, the investor can get in and buy some things at a low price before, on one hand, like you said, Travis, inflation, a devaluation of the dollar takes over, and then the regulators come in and start to try to, you know, do what regulators do, which is to steal things from you. So, you know, I I think we have a window of time to really uh, invest heavily into crypto and what and and really have the type of profits that we've seen in the past. And once the regulation gets into place, you know, and when the regulation happens, what happens with the regulation is that it's going to open the door for banks and brokerages and investment houses to start to buy up uh, the big money. I mean, these investment houses are hungry to go after the staking rewards that you can get on most of these currencies. I mean, you know, 6%, 8% rewards on a regular basis. This is good money. I mean, banks don't pay that stuff. They would love that. And uh, I think as soon as they get the window to push in, they're going to buy up all the staking opportunities that are out there. It's so, higher than that in many cases. I mean, 6 8%. I think if you go to um, Celsius, if you got your uh, stable coin in there, you might be earning 10%. And, and there's others who say that's nothing compared to what you know some other platforms are, are paying. And you mentioned before we started the interview that there's a staking case uh, that's happening right now with Tezos. Maybe explain what, what's happening there. Uh, this is the most exciting thing happening in crypto taxes in the US right now. Uh, hey, so, you know, just stepping back, the IRS. Uh, Congress has never made any laws about cryptocurrency taxation, and this is a problem. And uh, as a result, the IRS in this vacuum has had to make certain statements and pronouncements, and usually they shoot themselves in the foot when they do this. Uh, so what we have now is we've got to a point where we're getting a lot of situations that are going to court. And the Tezo staking case is the most exciting one right now. Uh, in a nutshell, uh, a plaintiff who paid taxes in 2019 for his Tezo staking rewards, uh, he is making a court case that uh, he wants a refund on the $4,000 he paid in taxes for the staking rewards. Now, it's not about the money here. I mean, this guy is uh, part of a large consortium coming from the a proof of staking association. There are significant wealthy people behind here financing the legal operation and the legal defense. So they just recently, like a month ago, uh, the IRS said, hey, uh, we'll just give you $4,000 right now and we'll be done with it. All right, which is the typical IRS buy-off. Not admitting anything about the legal merits of the case. The plaintiff turned it down and they are pushing for their day in court for which they're entitled. And the argument they're making is this. The IRS has taken a very aggressive position, which I call uh, tax on receipt. That is, whenever you receive a, a reward, or stake reward in this case, that you're taxed upon having received it at the fair market value in US dollars. All right, now this gets some people very upset because they say, hey, look, I haven't actually seen any cash and you're taxing me on it, right? 
The second view that the plaintiff is pushing is that no, 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 that's not right. You should be taxing me when I later sell the coin because that's the time I'm actually experiencing some income. I'm getting some money for it. And that's when I, I'm happy to pay your share of the taxes. Now, uh, the emotional argument goes this way. Well, the legal argument goes this way. It says that stake rewards, they're calling them taxpayer created assets. Now, what does that mean? All right. So I seem to recall a couple of years ago that uh, the bad crypto boys created their own uh, bad coin, if I'm not mistaken. All right. And you created it out of your own. Should you be subject? Well, actually, to we did it. We didn't. One of the members in our community did, and they sort of donated it to the community. We had nothing to technically do anything with. I, I accept that disclaimer, Travis. Um so well, that's the truth. Uh, that's the truth. We can we can actually have actually documentation. We didn't we didn't build it. Somebody came to us and said, "Hey, we've done blockchains. We'd love to build something for the community." And we heard you talk about black. We we did do we did do something that we launched on um, BitShares, BitShares, but it was just we were testing. What's up, BitShares? Right. I'll, yeah. I'll pick I'll I'll pick another example. All right. So the idea hey, we is- don't want you getting us in trouble, Clayton <laughs> Damn Donnelly. <laughs> We're going to audit. <laughs> so, I mean, another example is like a baker creates a loaf of bread, right? Is he taxed when the bread comes out of the oven? No, he's taxed when he sells it to a client. You know, you buy an asset, all right? We'll call this an NFT. Well, this NFT, we'll call a chicken, all right? This chicken, by the inherent nature of the fact that it is a chicken, lays an egg. Am I taxed because it's laid an egg? No, I'm taxed when I sell that egg to some consumer, all right? So this is called uh, production. This is called a taxpayer-created asset. And at what point in time is it taxed? If the court case rules in favor of the Tezos people, then, then the idea is that you're not taxed until you eventually sell whatever rewards you receive. So, and if, they, if the court chooses not to rule, uh, according to the way the Tezos case is asking, then it creates a lot of other legal complications. So I think it's a very exciting case. I think it has a lot of merit to it myself. And a lot of people are interested in it. I mean, very, very wealthy people buy large staking positions and that's all they do is just enjoy the staking rewards and they never sell them. In which case you'd probably never pay any taxes until some future year when you sell them. I love hearing you nerd out on tax cases this is you know this is this is in the in the cpa world this is what's exciting oh my gosh this case how do you think it's gonna pan out what's what do you think is gonna happen well uh like 99 i mean i as you guys know i a big aspect of our company at crypto tax audit is we defend people in audits and i've always said you know no court case gets no crypto audit gets resolved until you go to tax court because that's when you get to speak to an adult all right and that's what they're saying that's what this Tezos case is saying. We want our day in court. We want a judge to give his opinion because we have a, a, a case law driven society. And when, a, and when a, a, a district judge says, this is the way it is, every other court has to react to what that judge said. All right, so this is uh, big stakes for the IRS. The more I look at it and study it, I think the IRS has overstepped their bounds uh, in most of their positions related to crypto taxation. And of course now, 
you know, when I defend people in audits, you know, what our big theme is, is try to keep the burden of proof on the IRS. We don't necessarily have to prove that our answer is right. We can just prove that your answer is wrong. And this is going to be the theme. I, I think that uh, short of good regulation coming out of the Congress, that uh, the IRS has continued to lose, lose, lose court cases because of this, because of the vagueness and the complexity of cryptocurrencies. So a, a lot of my clients are saying, Clinton, you know, what should we do about this? Because I don't want to pay this taxes. Now, so you have two choices. Okay, Joel. So I have, uh, should I pay the tax on the staking now the way the IRS wants me to? And then next year, when the court case is decided, then ask for my money back? Or should I just assume the staking uh, case will be successfully won by the Tezos people, not pay taxes on it now, and then should I be wrong next year, then pay the taxes at that time? Well, that's an interesting choice you have to make. Uh, to the extent that you don't pay the taxes that are owed, there's an increase. I mean, you're looking at about, at today's rates, about 9% a year. Uh, and, you know, it's a choice to make. It's I will say this, that it's a whole lot easier to amend a tax return next year and give the IRS money. Because when you give the IRS money along with a tax return, they go, thank you very much. We'll take that money. Next person. Whereas if you send them an amended return saying, hey, like I'd like to get $30,000 back to go, I don't think so. We're gonna send this over to an audit and examine it. Then they see the crypto and now you're into a two to three year examination process. So, uh, you know, each uh, investor needs to be able to make a financial choice based on their risk tolerance. But uh, I think there's a lot of room for doing that. But this is not financial advice. <laughs> but this is why you should have crypto about, tax audit, because we defend yeah, everybody a, in audits. <laughs> you made a comment about the IRS overstepped its bounds due to that. I would say that the IRS overstepped its bounds in 1913 whenever the uh, creature from Jekyll Island was unleashed. But that is a whole other rant from Travis. Um, so so we, we've touched base on, on, on some of the things there with Tezos and the, the Biden order. We're big on NFTs over here. And a lot of people have asked us about NFTs and taxes and, and the implications of NFTs because uh, it's they're really hard to track. There's like, oh, we, we got these different NFTs we've got and, and we purchased and the sold we've lost. And it's just like, how in the hell is anybody going to make sense of NFT taxes? And how is this even going to work from your perspective? Well, that's great. Great question, Travis, because the problem with NFTs is that the protocols that write onto the blockchain do not put enough information that we need for tax purposes. Uh, for example, uh, let's say I go and I buy some, I, 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 I like something and I'm making an auction bid on it. And I bid, I bid, I bid, I bid. And then, you know, the decision happens. I win it or I don't win it. How does that look from a blockchain point of view? Every time I bid, uh, off disappears, let's say ETH. It, you know, ETH goes away, ETH goes away, ETH goes away. And then when the decision happens on the blockchain, then what happens? Then either... All my ETH comes back from a different wallet address usually, which could look like income to the IRS. Or all of a sudden, this big NFT, you know, you know, uh, lands on my blockchain with no price associated with it because I don't know that these uh, transfers of ETH were related to the purchase price. And if you're a type of person who's buying a lot, 
then you can't differentiate which transfers were for which prices. So ultimately, we need the writers of the, pro of the blockchain protocols need to up their game, in my opinion. Uh, but from a tax point of view, you know, it is difficult to connect it. Now, we could manually connect it, but when you get into an audit with the IRS, the IRS takes a very blind view and they're going to say, you can't prove the price. And, you know, it's true. You can't because you can't make a direct one-for-one -one connection on the prices. The number one thing that any NFT investor can do or NFT creator can do is to keep a, to get a spiral notebook and a thing called a pen and to write down every single time you buy one. Oh my gosh. This, this makes, is that called, makes my brains explode. No, no, no. So Joel, I know you're like, you know, mechanically, you know, challenged there, but so but the but you need to realize that the courts see this as a contemporaneous log. This comes from uh outside salesmen who would travel and they had to write down their mileage and uh to in order to write off the the, the mileage uh and the courts say you have to be able to produce a handwritten log and, and the thing of a handwritten log is like the ink changes because you change pens you know sometimes the the slant of the writing changes these are all attributes of authenticity and you need to just write a log just keep a little you know notebook with you and say oh, i i sold uh you know you know, NBA top shots, you know, number blah, 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 you know, on this day, or I bought one or just, just handwrite it. Even if it's not perfect, just handwrite it. It doesn't need to be detailed stuff. Don't do a spreadsheet. That doesn't look authentic. Handwrite it. This is authoritative and can overwhelm anything that the IRS pushes out. What if you're already stacking NFTs and you've not tracked that? Just start now. Today's the best day to start. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's such the perfect canned response. I expected that, and I knew I, I had that coming. So, thanks, thanks for uh, you know opening that can of worms, Sir Lord Travis. Your NFT question. That, that, well, I mean, if I know if I didn't ask it, I figured you probably would. I know, I know. So, are you mad that you didn't ask it and I did? I'm not mad at all. I'm just I, I just groan over how much needs to be put in to you know to work through all the stuff. Fortunately, let me ask you this, Joel. Let me ask you this, and let me ask Clinton this as a follow up. Then, Joel and I live in Puerto Rico. We've been approved for the Act 60 there, and if you're an investor with Act 60 and you're going through those things, you pay zero percent capital gains taxes. Since that's the case, we live in Puerto Rico. Do we have to keep track of NFTs? Well, under the Puerto Rican laws, and I have lots of Puerto Rican clients or client, well, you know, in the same situation, you still have to report your crypto gains, but the gains are taxed at zero. Now, given that, you know, nobody's going to be looking real close to what the prices are. So you're in, you know, uh, but because the tax rate is zero, but you need to report them all the same. Now, it could be, and this is what we generally would do for, you know, if I were in uh, Puerto Rico, is we could do an aggregate total. We could say, hey, look, I sold NFTs. I bought NFTs this year for 20000 I sold them for, you know, 300000 And just that's your one light item that you're reporting on your tax return. You can aggregate it because actually getting it to a line item detail for each NFT is kind of tough. All right, then what about DeFi? Like that's, that's a whole, you know, other issue, right? It's, it's not staking, it's not NFTs, but it is loaning out your, uh, your cryptos and earning interest on that. Well, this is, uh, 
this is we're getting into some real dirt here. Uh oh. The, the problem I'm gonna with, get the soap. Yeah. The problem with NFTs or DeFi is that we're really pushing the tax laws. Uh, once you go beyond simple swapping coin for coin, token for token, you know, then you're into some really innovative products that are not envisioned in the tax code. Secondly, it's not really clear how to really tax these things or what they mean. Some of these things are like really innovative, like, you know, rebasing tokens, yield farming. This is clever stuff. This is, you're not doing this in stocks and bonds. And the problem we have is that for years, uh, we've all trusted these crypto tax calculation or crypto gain calculation services like, you know, token tax and coin tracker and Zen Ledger and TaxBit to, you know, you dump in your addresses and they tell you how much your taxes are, right? But the problem is we get the DeFi, uh, that there's, they've hit a wall. Uh, I've actually documented it on our website at Crypto Tax Audit dot com slash DeFi. Uh, we are actually benchmarking comp all these companies uh, every three months. And we're showing that they're all, uh, if I might be charitable, wildly inaccurate. Mm. They're all wildly inaccurate. And this is despite the fact, if you go on their webpage, they'll say, oh yeah, look look at our, De our DeFi guide and look at our NFT guide and we support these things and blah, 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 blah. I mean, I have, we'll show you that we have examples of guys that we took their Ethereum addresses, like two Ethereum addresses, plug it in, and I'm getting answers between one and nine million from these different services. There's about 10 services that do this. One to nine million. This is this is a tenfold variation in terms of, you know, accuracy. What's worse is I we run rerun the exact same addresses every three months against these guys, and we'll be putting out a new one here later on this month. By the time you release this article, I'm sure this the show, and uh, we can show how these services are changing radically. One one had he said. The first time you ran it, they said it's three million dollars this person made, three point three million. Second time you ran it is one point two million, and that was just three months later. They're they're flipping this stuff on the fly. But if you go to their website, they all say, "Oh yeah, we're awesome. We're awesome at DeFi." What they are is they're all shilling to uh, for the IRS. They're all promoting pro IRS positions on how to do taxation. And the problem they're all wrestling with, I mean, of course, DeFi has its own issues in terms of the blockchain, but they all have to radically rewrite their applications, simply throw them away and rewrite them. Because, you know, up until 2020, it was basically I buy on Coinbase, I sell it on Binance, I made a profit, you know, try to match the cost basis. But now it's it's far more complicated. Now I bought it, I moved it over here, I, I did a bridge over to another blockchain, and now I got it into liquidity pool, and I'm I'm uh, taking the receipt token, and I'm using it as a as collateral to do something else. It's like you know they can't unpack this. It's just way over the top, and who knows what the IRS is going to do. So uh, it's it's very challenging. We've looked at it how to do it. We create we've created this thing called the DeFi tax benchmark where we say. We're going to run your numbers against all of them today, and we're going to prove that you've exercised due diligence and reasonable care to come up with your number. Of course, these numbers are all wrong, and, but again, the key is we're going to keep the burden of proof on the IRS. We're going to keep showing them that their numbers are wrong because uh, whatever firm, uh, 
we run today, you know, three years from now when they audit you, those guys are gonna come out with an even different number. So we, you know, prove to me your number's right. I got 10 other answers to say you're wrong. You know, so this is our, this is what we do with, with defending people in audits, which is, you know, a big part of our business. It's actually a good place for a segue. Uh, why don't you talk a little bit about what's happened in your business since we last spoke on the show a year ago and about crypto tax audit and these services to help protect crypto investors. Well, thank you very much, Joel. And I want to thank both you guys for just being uh, supporting what we're doing here for the last several years. Uh, crypto tax audit. Uh, CryptoTaxAudit.com. We're, we have uh, right now we have 26 employees. We do we do the crypto gain calculation, both CFI and DeFi. We do tax return preparation, and we do the a bulletproof tax return, which type of return you wish you had if you do it in advance, you're gonna get audited. And we do audit defense, uh, where we have a unique membership program. It's kind of like car insurance for your tax return, where you pay, and we will defend you in an IRS audit of your tax return. Doesn't matter what year, doesn't matter how you reported it. We'll defend you in it for no additional charge, uh, and. You know, we're really focused on protecting people and bringing the maximum amount of value in our expertise. What we're seeing now uh, in our business is uh, this year, I'm really I'm being approached by several uh, large accounting firms, like the top 20 accounting firms in the U.S., because they're they have big clients, really wealthy people who, as you can imagine, have taken a portion of their money, put it into crypto, done well. And these large accounting firms have no idea what to do with them. So we're start, we're starting to work with the partners and the management of those firms to do gain calculation for ultra high net worth people, as well as setting up audit defense and, and monitoring for their staff. So super excited about where we're growing. Uh, and at the same time, we've created some self-service tools on our crypto tax audit webpage that for you know really dirt cheap prices we show people how to prepare their own bulletproof tax return uh, we have you know monitor themselves we can let you know two to six months in advance if you're going to be being flagged by the irs for a future audit so really we're we're cutting edge in so many areas and uh, we're starting to get the recognition from the big firms that we're excited about so thank you very much CryptoTaxAudit.com, gang. Tell them that uh, Travis and Joe's sent you to it. Travis, yeah. any any further questions before? I just want to say Clinton has such a great voice. Like you should have like a uh, the Clinton Donnelly Crypto Tax Podcast or something. It's like you should uh, do that more. You, you come on here once a year and you go on some other shows, but man, you should uh, you should get out there more, man. I like your voice. Uh, I'm looking for an agent. <laughs> That's good. I, I think you can be my publicist, Travis. Very I'm nice. thinking about making an NFT out of my voice, actually. <laughs> what what I did you say? Questions, Your Honor. Oh, okay. Thought there was a little back chat there. Somebody's like, no, go do it. Go podcast. Make it happen. Clinton, thanks for coming on, friend. We appreciate you. And uh, we will, I guess we'll, we'll talk to you before next year. But as far as uh, the audience is concerned, we'll talk to you next year. Always a pleasure. Joel. You got to do Thank our taxes, so damn it. Get... <laughs> My team is on your, ta- your case. Thank you, Clinton, for coming back again and sharing us the latest information. I love how giddy he got talking about the Tezos case. <laughs> he was like, this is so great, guys. This is in our crypto nerd world. This is the best thing ever. 
<laughs> and then boy, he was like, and then write it down, and then you can just have a notebook, and then you're very meticulous about it. You do, you write your things, you write every one of your things, you're going to write it down, and it's provable because it's not a notebook. He's he's right though. I I believe his advice is sound. And uh, after our conversation, I went and I ordered some blank notepads. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna start carrying one of these with me because I got records, but it's just so hard to you know keep track of this stuff and so the um the way they do taxes is they actually put your metamask wallet into the um the software they use and it shows when you purchased an nft and what the price was and when you, if you sold it so it's it's pretty interesting and uh, good stuff i really uh, recommend that you guys sign up for cryptotaxaudit.com it's not an expensive service and they do keep you apprised of uh, whether or not the irs is making notes on your account and should be able to alert you to an audit months before it actually happens totally worth it mm -hmm. it is we've been using them for a couple of years now and the fact that if the IRS starts to think about, hey, we're going to connect with this, we're going to we're going to give this person an audit, it basically triggers it six, what, six months in advance or something. So mm -hmm. you will know and be like, okay, you got a shitstorm of ruin, folks. Prepare your bunghole. And you get an audit, and you get an audit, and you get an audit. There's, you know, they're still figuring out so much mm -hmm. about this crypto space, but um, it it pays to make sure that you stay up to date. Mm -hmm. So uh, anything else you want to talk about here, Sir Lord Travis? You know what? I think, you know, I mentioned it real briefly inside the interview, but I did set up a Substack, TW.Substack, my initials. I, I got it like three years ago, but there was some weird glitch on my account. Every time I would try to log in, it wouldn't work. So I talked to somebody at Substack and they actually fixed it. And so I can use it, but I got in really early. I have letter T, letter W.Substack. I'm also going to be launching an NFT one and uh, we'll maybe put bad crypto stuff on there as well. Just some crypto news. That, and there's some podcasty things that you can do on this as well. So I'm going to explore Substack more and get and, and my uh, my uh, my uh, Substack is Travis Wright's Rants. You're so Substacky. So basically, it's a better medium. Is that the, the well, idea? It's a, it's a medium and it's it's like it's like a it's like a combination of like MailChimp and medium. Oh. Mailchimp, kind of because it sends people subscribe to you and they get it in their email. Oh, and it's, it. like, and it's like a medium. And but if I wanted to, I can get a custom URL and 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 have my own blog set up. It's basically my Substack, and you could do a premium content behind a paywall. So it's like a Patreon meets Mailchimp meets Medium. I'm going to go ahead and subscribe to you right now, Travis, because I have signed in and I can't wait to see what you say. I hope it'll I be will say this too. I'd like to say this is um, let's do this as a, just to secure it and get niftyshow.substack and uh, at least secure that because badcrypto.substack, somebody else owns, so don't pay attention to that. We're going to figure out, see if we can figure that out. But set up your username and get niftyshow.substack. You can actually have multiple um, newsletters with your email. So that was one of my things. I was always using multiple emails, setting up new ones. You can have multiple publications with your one email. And so set it up with your main Joel email and then set up the nifty and set up some of the other ones. And then um, I think that'd be great. We could set that up as like a little podcast area and talk about certain stuff. So I think it should be cool. All righty. Well, we'll get more into that. And uh, fortunately, this episode won't come out until after we've set these up. So you guys can't take our names. 
because that wouldn't be nice. And uh, we'll catch you on the next episode. It's going to be super epic because we talk all about DNA sequencing, keeping your data private, and uh, do a little revealing expose on what some of the larger, more well-known DNA sequencing companies do with your data. So we'll catch you then. And uh, you know what to do. do you know the thing. The Stay kind of, nifty. Stay no, nifty. No. Wrong Pay show. your taxes. Pay your taxes. We'll do that. Yeah, but that's not the thing I was talking about. Don't be a dick. That's also true, but not the thing. FJB. Also? Okay. Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> Stay back. The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoins and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.